Hello and welcome to the Centre Pass podcast brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Jared Gardner and I'm joined as always by Taylor Mulkey and Sophie Taylor. And the Constellation Cup is underway and Taylor, a heartbreaking loss once again, one goal lost to the Silver Ferns. Um, it's tough times for Australian netball. Yeah, it was kind of like watching history repeat itself and uh, did not really spark much joy, that's for sure. So I really hope that they address those issues coming into the game tonight. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into a a review of that game. Uh, Three more games, obviously, left in the series and um, a a bit of room for improvement for Australia, but um, it's definitely still keeping up with the Silver Ferns and there's definitely still a chance that we can win this series. Yeah, there were certainly some really good patches in the game. It just didn't seem fine-tuned for the Aussies. And, I mean, they were up by six goals or five goals at three-quarter time, but you can't just play one quarter of a game. And in reality, that's the only quarter that they actually played the third. So I, there were some contentious umpiring decisions, but at the end of the day, Australia should have actually had that game. Once they had it in their grasp, they should have kept hold onto it. So it doesn't really come down to just those individual umpiring calls to change the course of a match. Yeah, exactly. And um, we'll get into the review of this game now. 53 to 52 was the score. And uh, it was just a disappointing kind of final quarter from the Aussies. You lose that quarter 14 to 8 after winning the third 19 to 13. And it kind of looks like you put yourself in a winning position at three-quarter time. And then to go into that fourth quarter, it looked like the Silver silver Ferns just had um, the cooler heads in, in those dying moments and able to pull out a one-goal victory. I think it's the same old story, and that's the thing that's really starting to irritate me, is that the same players go missing at the same times and they don't stand up when we need them to. And I know that that's a harsh call, but in reality, you know, we're going on to lose games by one goal and that's not good enough. We were up by, like Sophie said, five or six goals at three-quarter time. Now, everyone knows that's not a surety. You have to keep pushing. But to only score then eight goals in the last quarter, you know, you look at that and you go, how? You scored 19 in the the quarter beforehand and then to only score eight? It's just it's not a good enough performance and that's not just from the attacking end uh, but clearly they weren't getting enough ball or they just weren't capitalising. I don't know where you start with that but that last quarter was just, yeah, it was pretty abysmal. Yeah, it's an interesting one because you look at the quarter breakdown across this entire game, the Silver Ferns are really consistent. They score 13 across each of the first three quarters and then 14 in the last quarter, whereas the Aussies that's kind of up and down, 11, 14, 19 and then 8 in the last quarter. So it's not, it's not as, a, as a consistent performance as what you'd hope for from a team. And um, we look, we always look at that third quarter as a premiership quarter and that can decide games. Well, you win that one 19 to 13, well, it's, it's all well and good to win that by a great margin. But if you can't keep that up, keep that up in the last quarter, then what was the point of, of going on a massive run like that? Yeah, and what I found was really frustrating was that there was so much predictability with the diamonds across the court. And 100% I agree. Think the the place to start is obviously the goal circle. I mean, you look at Caitlin Bassett and uh, Gretel Tippett. Both of them are fantastic goalers in their own right. And they play well together to an extent, but both of them only shoot from close range. And that's a real issue for the Diamonds because at the end of the day, the Silver Ferns know exactly what to expect. And you can't forget that Nolene Tarua coached Caitlin Bassett. So you know exactly what to expect. Like As a spectator, you know why wouldn't the Silver Ferns and their powerhouse of a coach be able to dominate that circle as well? And so I just find it really frustrating. There's some really good consistency, but it's too much consistency and not enough versatility. And I think 
we really need to inject a long bomb shooter into the circle. And I mean, you look at how they switched up the center court. Um, obviously, Liz Watson came off for a, uh, for like a patch in the second or um, something, and then came on for Paige Hadley in center. And Laura Sherian got the bib, and that was awesome in wing attack because she injected something that the Ferns weren't expecting, and yeah. she wasn't afraid to point and shoot. Obviously, not entirely because she wasn't going point and pass. Goal. Yeah, but like she wasn't afraid to just put the ball straight into the circle, which I felt like there was too much hesitation before. So it's like there were patches that were really good, but it just wasn't enough. And I think you pointed out consistency. I don't think it's consistency. I think like we keep saying, it's predictability because you know that Tippett's not going to shoot from out far. I'd say she, out of all of the goalers, is probably the most unpredictable in the way she plays, but most predictable when it comes to where she's going to shoot from. Yeah. yeah. But then in saying that, you also look at the captain, Caitlin Bassett, and you can guarantee that she's not going anywhere further than where her leg will like split from yeah. under the post. <laughs> you know, she's not going to take that long bomb. She's not even going to consider it. And you saw how easily the Silver Ferns just read that Time and time again, you put pressure on that pass going into the circle, bang, they've got an intercept, they've got a deflection. And they weren't afraid to body up on Tippett. I think uh, that Phoenix Karaka, she just, you know, barreled through Tippett a couple of times. in that third quarter, she was fantastic. She had a really great patch there. Yeah. And so that type of physicality is also really, you you can see it upsets the dynamic for the shooters, for the Aussie shooters. So... I, there's just so many questions about what happens, but you know, I would love, and I've said this time and time again, and I know Sophie will be a hundred percent with <laughs> me is put Caitlin Thwaites on, just yeah. put her on, you know, she can shoot from far and you know what? It's something different for the New Zealand team to look at. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. It's just, um, it, it just seems like the logical option at this point, because it, it just isn't working with Tippett and Bassett. And we've said it time and time again, it just, it, you can, you can, Tippett can run around all she likes and, and do all the athletic stuff she does. But at the end of the day, you know, she's going to post and you know, she's going to shoot from a step under the post. Like it's, it's always going to happen. And it just provides a defense with the ability to just read that straight away, get in front of her and um, get an easy intercept or just force her a bit wider and a bit out of the, outside the circle. So, I don't know. It's a tough one. And I think Thwaites is probably the answer. And I hope we see her over the next three games of this Constellation Cup. Well, yeah. I'm, I was Ooh. just going to say, I'm interested <laughs> to see where they'll bring on Tegan Phillip because she has a history of the Diamonds where it hasn't exactly been the most perfect ride. But and I know she that goes missing and she, that's yeah. what the Diamonds can't afford at this time. But at the same time, so many players go missing. I was going to say at the same time, even if she is able to put up the long bombs, and have a rebounding other attacker there just in case. We like we saw that this season with the Vixens. Having Caitlin Thwaites there able to rebound it um, was massive for Philip with her confidence and being able to put those shots up. She had a fantastic season this year and clearly she's been rewarded for it with her um, elevation back up to the Diamonds, but she can't put it into practice if she's not on the court. So I will be interested to see whether they do play her regardless of the prior issues in the past. I just don't know. See, my thing is that it does. the change doesn't need to happen in goal attack. The change needs to happen in goal shooter because I think Tippett provides a lot of uh, defensive 
options as well. She's yeah. quite strong um, defensively and can pick up ball. And I think if anyone, she's the one that is the playmaker that can create something to happen. And yes, we know, like we keep saying, she'll shoot from under the post, but she is also that one that will go and win the ball yeah. or she'll do something spectacular that will spark the side back up. Yeah, and she has, like, she shoots 24 or 25, so a good percentage. Exactly. And, um, she has 17 centre pass received, which is the highest out of anyone on the Diamond side. So it's it was a great game from Gretel Tippett. So that change probably does need to happen in goal shooter. And as we've said, we hope it does happen in the next three games of this series. Um, we move on to the two, I guess, new diamonds, one new, one old, uh, Laura Sherrion, yeah. <laughs> the oldest ever player to make her diamonds debut. I think she's 31 or 32. 31, yeah. An amazing feat for her um, to get into this diamond side. And as I said, she, she brought something different when she came on and she's a bit like, the way I look at it is a, it's a bit like what Kelsey Brown brought when she first came into yeah. the diamonds last year. Um, a bit unpredictable, just kind of that fast player, that real zippy player. And I think she provided, or showed some great um, signs and locked down that spot as yeah. one of those mid-court players. Well, what I found was that I said it earlier that um, Hadley and Liz Watson were hesitating a little bit feeding in. They were very afraid to feed in if they weren't on circle edge. And I think what Sherry and brought was, like I said, she just got the ball and piffed it in. It didn't always work out, Confident. but she yeah. wasn't on the circle edge and she was still able to pinpoint those players and go, yes, I'm passing there. And she had like a good 30 centimetres oh, yeah. off um, yeah. Kat Katrina Rore, um in wing defence. And it was just insane, but she was still able to get around her and get the ball into the circle. And I thought she did a really, really good job. And I think the thing is she just brought that energy and that excitement. And like you said, she was very similar to Kelsey in the way she just darts around the court and she kind of used her height to her advantage. She yeah. wasn't phased by the long reach of, of Rore. She just went, you know what, doesn't matter. I'll just use my speed and outrun you, outthink you, outplay you. And I think that was really, really good for the Diamonds attacking in because they were just getting this ball and she was just, like you said, Soph, just going with confidence and backing herself. And, I mean, the connection was already there with Bassett having played with her for two seasons at the Lightning. So you could see that that was on show. But I think it was just her, her confidence to back her game plan and to back herself. And I think it was really, really good and exciting to watch her. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome to see and it'd be great to see um, her development as this Constellation Cup goes on. Uh, Ash Brazel obviously back in the Diamonds side after a few years out and, and got the start in wing defence, which was a, a great to see because she does deserve that spot. Um, what do you guys think of, of her match? It's probably one of her quieter games, I will say. But Yeah, it took. I felt like it took her a little bit of time to warm into the game. Yeah. Yeah. But then once she was in it, she was in it. She got some really good deflections in the second half. I think the first half was a little bit slow for her, but... I think that can be expected and I don't think it means that she shouldn't be on the court. I feel like she was she was pretty clean and she was pretty consistent and yeah, it wasn't an amazing game but it was definitely like it shows that there's some really good signs to come. And I think credit where credit is due because I think you kind of look at that first half and say she's a bit slower than what we might have expected and um, didn't have the impact we might have thought and I think it's it's credit to the coaching staff to have that belief, you know, to just let her go and, and keep her on for the, the entire yeah, match. Yeah, because, definitely. Um, just a bit of a confidence booster for her to know that she's got that backing behind her of the team and um, to know that she can have an impact at this level. Well, I think the thing is it was more just she was playing the game that almost Lisa Alexander would have wanted her to play, yeah. to just be that 
be there, niggle, kind of apply the pressure, don't do anything flashy. And it was almost then after halftime, she was like, yeah, you know, I've done that. I'm going to play my own game yeah, now. Exactly. And I think that's a really exciting and good thing to see because we know how explosive she can be and we know that she can change the game, you know, in an instant. So for her to be able to show both sides, it was really good. And if she can do that more consistently and is given that opportunity at the Diamonds level, uh, I think it'll be really great. Yeah, exactly. She's had great few seasons at the Magpies and um, and done some great things and it's good to see her in the Diamond stress finally. Um, in defence for the Diamonds in this one, it was Joe Weston and Sarah Clough who played out the entire match in the circle. And a bit of an interesting one for me, obviously, Maddie Turner was the 13th player, so she didn't suit up and, and didn't play in this one. Um, but not bringing on Courtney Bruce at any point was interesting because I thought if they, when they, when I saw she wasn't starting, I thought, oh, she'll come on in the second or third quarter yeah. and find maybe play out the second half. But um, they kept Sarah Clough on for the entire match and an interesting decision, but um, I think Claire's done a good job since she's come into the diamond side. It's a decision I probably wouldn't have made, to be perfectly honest. I think you could see in that, you know, especially in that last quarter that Ekanazio and Falau got on top, like, well and truly. They were just, there was... Running laps around yeah, them. And there was no points, pressure. Yeah. They were happy to shoot from wherever. They were, they could have, they were shooting with their eyes closed. Or, and, you know, it, they made it look so easy and effortless. And I think that having someone like Courtney Bruce would have been really good because we know that Falau isn't actually a, a fan of that body-on-body contact and Q Bruce, she's a fan of that. So that would have been probably something I would have thought of, shake it up a little bit, especially when you look at it, one goal of difference, you know it's getting close, you yeah. bring on your big-time player. And I'm not saying that Clow isn't that because I definitely think she has the potential to be that. But I think having someone like Bruce on would have just kind of shaken things up a little bit. And we know that the connection between her and Weston is is really strong. Yeah, I think it, it, it's going to be an interesting one for the next three games. Do you think that they go with, uh, obviously, Weston and Cloud starters, Bruce was on the bench. As I said, Maddie Turner didn't suit up for this one. Um, do you think they keep Maddie Turner as that 13th player or do they bring her in for someone like a Tegan Phillip or Jamie Lee Price who didn't play in the first match and... Um, get a few more defensive rotations in and maybe mix it up a little bit and see what works against Falau and Ekinacio. Well, I think <laughs> you're just looking at me. No, like I'm that. saying I'm, I have no idea. I, okay, <laughs> so I think that it would be much better to bring someone like Turner in because, like we were saying before, the defensive pressure was virtually not there. And yes, Joe Weston, I think she had a great game. She had moments where, you know, she really contested the ball, but that did not stop them from backing themselves in the circle and just shooting from anywhere. So clearly more needs to be done to A, stop that ball getting in there and B, to have a stronger connection, especially in the goal circle because Ekinazio and Flower were just so connected that it didn't matter what was happening. So if you have fresh legs running through there, I think it will be more beneficial. But I would be looking to start Weston and Bruce because we, although they're a predictable duo, they're a very strong duo that you know will win ball back. See, I'm unsure about this because the Swifts are known to be very clean, yeah? Yeah. And so having someone like Turner on with Clow could actually really open up the match a little bit more because the Aussies were really heavily penal- penalised and that was a real issue from the get-go. Like, penalised fully down the court. They could not uh, – I mean, the ball was just stopping constantly and, yeah, it's not always an obstruction. It's it's often a contact or something like that. But 
at the end of the day, I sometimes find Joe Weston a little bit too penalty Clumsy. heavy. Yeah. And Clumsy, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, and it's not so much uncaring, but you can't afford to have Maria Falau or Ekinazio with an easy shot on goal. You actually have to make it hard for them. And I think there's just been too many penalties, not only down the court, but especially in the goal circle. And I thought Clow was a fair bit more clean than Western. I don't have the stats up in front of me. Well, so I was, I I was just about to say the stats back you up because Western had double the amount of penalties that yeah. Clow did. Western had 16, Clow only had eight for the entire match. So yeah. I think then, you can look at it as Western is working up the court a little bit more. She might yeah, get penalties true. in the mid court, but... At the same time, to have double the amount of Sarah Clow, it's it's an interesting stat. But then it also begs the question of why is she having that many penalties? Yeah. Is it because she's not getting that extra coverage down back that she feels like she has to go out and do more and be more of a presence to stop the ball getting down the court? And that's also possibly because their connection probably isn't as strong as she is with Bruce. And we know that Bruce is often heavily penalised and the two of them can be heavily penalised, but... Looking at those stats, 16 to 8, you then have to kind of question, well, why is that happening? Is there another issue that isn't being addressed? Yeah, and I, I think that's something the Aussie coaching staff will have a look at going into game two, uh, which is tonight. We're recording Wednesday morning. So um, if you are listening after Wednesday, the results already happened. You can go see what, what has happened in game two. But um, I, I think just a few predictions for tonight. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see who starts for the Diamonds because that goal shooter position is going to be the one that I'm going to be watching for and waiting to see who the starter is. But even down the court, as we've just spoken about into the defensive end, do they give Bruce the start over Sarah Clow? Um, Do they start Sherian and start Watson in center? Uh, What do you guys think will will be the changes to tonight's uh, game? That was going to be my question is we haven't really addressed the mid court. And I think we've always talked about versatility. And now I think we have too much versatility and no designated center, which is a point that we made going into the World Cup, but it's still the issue because someone like Langman is just running laps around everyone and no one can keep up with her. So I don't know. I don't know what you do in the centre. I don't know what you do in the midcourt. Just, I don't know. (laughs) It's a mess. Yeah, I'm thinking they'll go with Sherian again. I think she was really solid and I think what they'll do is they'll start her, see how she goes, and then reconsider if required because what happened on... Sunday was that she faded out towards the end of the game. She had only played half and maybe five minutes of the second, but she definitely made a lot more mistakes in the last five minutes than she did for the rest of the game, like probably altogether. So I think it will be interesting to see whether they A, start her and B, if they keep her on the whole game. Um, That being said, if it's not sharing and wing attack, it'll be Liz Watson and Hadley in centre I don't see them bringing on JLP. I think she is a good player, obviously. I mean, there's no discounting that. And I think she definitely has a star player to get the job done. But I think Ash Braz will will keep the wing defence bid this week. Do you think there's a possibility that maybe they throw in JLP in wing defence and just throw Brazel into centre? I was literally just about to say, I think that that could be a possibility because just purely because of the matchup on Langman, yeah. we've seen it that, the Diamonds really struggled to go with her. And I mean, who wouldn't? She just runs and runs and runs. And then (laughs) she'll do something spectacular. And you're like, oh, I can't do that. You know, never mind. But someone like Braz could possibly do or or just kind of mellow her out type of thing. And I think that would be an interesting matchup. But I think the likelihood is very slim. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't know whether they would put her into centre. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I love Brazen Centre, but I don't see it happening. But I feel like it's part of the reason that she's been picked because we saw the last three, yeah. four weeks of the season yeah. where she's played in centre. It would be good. I, and, I'd back it. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see it, but um, maybe we'll see it at some point throughout the series. It might only be for a quarter or so, but um, I think they will change that up and, and she will get that centre bib at some point. We just don't know when or how long it'll be for. I think what the Diamonds really need to do is do what the Ferns did last year with their Constellation yeah, Cup. and trial. The Ferns trialed everything. Yeah. They rotated their goal circle, their defensive circle, their midcourt constantly last Constellation Cup. And then by the time Quad Series came along in Jan, they had it fully sorted. And I think Australia really needs to do the same thing. I mean, we have this opportunity where, yeah, I mean, it's we're going to be pissed if we keep losing. But we already are. We so. already are. So why not keep going? But that's the thing. What have we got to lose by ironing out the issues yeah. now and figuring out what the best options are against, I like, ultimately the best team in the world at this time? Yeah. Like, Australia is still number one ranked, but I don't think we're the best. I agree. England's still up there, but I don't think they're the best. I think New Zealand are the team to beat. And if we want to beat them, we have to play their game. And the reigning World Cup winners, you can't exactly, discount them. Yeah. So it's going to be a very interesting one. It's it's the 150th time the Diamonds and the Silver Ferns will do battle. And it's Alicia Alexander's 100th uh, match as coach of the Diamonds. So a few big milestones there and a big match, the 150th between the two sides. So um, be all on the line. And I think it's going to be a, a great match. Um, we'll move on now and we'll talk about the final re-signings and the final transfers of, of the period um, that's occurred uh, uh, post-season um, and a few new names at, at some clubs and um, some big re-signings. I'll start off with the biggest one of all, and that is Laura Langman returning to the Sunshine Coast Lightning in 2020. This was one that I think not many people actually expected. I think everyone expected her to lead Suncorp Super Netball with Nolene Tarua, but um, back in the Suncorp Super Netball for 2020. And Taylor's shaking her head. <laughs> uh, I expected it. I had this gut feeling. I was like, if she was going to not re-sign, she would have said it earlier. She dragged it out long enough to make people go, yep, you know what, I reckon she's re-signing. And I think she feels like there's unfinished business. So, Yeah, I, I think people might have felt that after the loss of the grand final, there yeah. was the chance <laughs> that she was going to come back. But do you think that might have changed their decision if they had have won the grand final, she might have retired or? Yeah, I think if they'd won, she want to finish on a high type of thing and go, you know what, you know, pat on the back, we've done a, done a great job and, you know, I'll call it quits, but they didn't win and now there's going to be that fire in the belly. So good luck to every every team next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, A few other ones coming in. Uh, we'll start off with Adelaide and uh, signing Lenise Pochietto. We knew that basically halfway through the Suncorp Super Netball season, yeah. but it's finally been confirmed. Uh, Maisie Nankovell has been given a spot and Shadeen Vandermeer has been given a, a full-time spot on the roster um, in replacement of Beth Cobden, who obviously did her knee um, earlier on in the season and um, she's left the Thunderbirds now. So Shadeen Vandermeer will take that spot. The big one, obviously, is no Maria Falau. And I think I think I expected. I didn't think she'd come back, I didn't especially think she'd come back with what what else has gone on externally in her life this year. I think there was not really a chance that she was going to come back. And what I was interested about was that she was offered the contract and she declined yeah. it. And that's what I was most shocked about in the entire scenario. I'm not surprised in the slightest that she didn't return. 
I would have been more surprised if she came back, but uh, especially given what's going on outside the court. But the fact that she was offered a contract and didn't take it yeah. up, that's what that's what really got well, me there. I think the thing is you just have to take into account her personal life yeah. and that's her choice. If she doesn't want to play, that's yeah. fine. But unfortunately for the Thunderbirds, I think that's going to be a really big loss because she was really pivotal to their their side. And I think she also helped Sasha Glasgow a lot. I know she won't be playing yeah. next year because she's done her ACL, but I think that having someone like Falau with such experience – was a huge thing for the Thunderbirds. And I think that she'll be sorely missed in the goal shooting position. But then again, you've got someone like Lenise Potgita who could also be just as damaging. Yeah, I think Potgita will do a great job. It, it, it's still going to be, I think I think it's still going to be another tough year for Adelaide in 2020. But um, I think that there are a few good signings there and uh, they'll, they'll keep looking up and keep looking to improve. Uh, the Firebirds finalised their roster. They obviously had one more replacement player to name in um, replacement of Mahalia Cassidy. Um, and it's Lara Dunkley who's gone up to Queensland, which is an interesting one. A vixen, um, another vixen has gone up to to the Firebirds. And I think she'll play a good role, whether it's just for four or five rounds once, once Cassidy returns or whether it is for the whole season. I think it'll be finally good for her to get consistent super netball time. I think it's a great decision for Dunkley. I mean, she's seen firsthand what's happened with Kate Eddy and how she went away from the, from Victoria for a few years and actually nabbed herself a starting position in the pros, in the progress. So I think it's a really smart decision and I think she'll slot in well. My only issue is the Firebirds now have a very young um, mid-court. And that's not to say it's a bad thing because we saw how well the Swiss did this year with the young um, young team on court. But I think she's going to get so much development up there and it's definitely a smarter decision than staying at the Vixens because even though she was getting great development at the Vixens working behind um, Maloney I mean, and Kate Maloney and Lizzie Watson. It was behind. It was behind them, exactly. And I think, yeah, getting that exposure to the court, even if it's, like you said, just for four or five rounds before Cassidy comes back, I think that will be massive. And I think if she does make enough of an impact in the first four or five weeks, you could see her taking a position for the rest of the year. You never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Obviously, we hope there's no injuries, but um, it just kind of is the nature of the sport. And I think there will be a spot opening up at, at different times throughout the year and Dunkley can really cement herself in that side and really show the Vixens why they probably should have believed in her and, and kept putting her um, and put her on the court more often than what she was. Um, we'll move to the Vixens now and they finalised their roster with Taylor Honey. Obviously she was out the entire, I, in the, yeah, she was out the entirety of last season and Dunkley actually took her spot on the Vixens roster. Um, but to have her back in the squad, I think it's going to be, it's a great move for the Vixens and it'd be great to see her uh, back on the court. Well, let's just hope she's not another bench warmer. And I say that with not meaning to be mean, but yeah. the fact that we say it time and time again, the Vixens just don't utilise their bench enough. So I really hope that for Taylor Honey's sake, she gets that that chance to be able to run out on court and be like, please take a look at me and yeah. look how good I am. Look what I have to offer because I think she's such an exciting prospect. I think it's a really big decision by the Vixens to show that um, – confidence in her and I think yeah. that will be a real confidence booster as well like they wanted her this year they couldn't have her but they're getting her again even though she's only just back running now so it it goes to show that the Vixens really want to develop her as a player and um, that sh they're confident that she will be able to slot in quite easily so I'll be interested to see what happens because she's typically a wing attack center yeah. which means that Eddie is the only 
wing defence prospect if you take Kate Maloney out of the equation. So I'll be very interested. You could always chuck Weston in there. But on the offside, yeah, on the off chance that – that Eddie gets injured, who goes into that wing de- wing defence position. So whereas um, obviously Lara Dunkley could essentially go into anywhere in the midcourt. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a vague question for me, but, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get to uh, it. I think you could definitely move. Like you could throw – you could kind of move it all back and go Maloney into wing defence, Liz Watson into centre yeah. and Honey into wing attack where yeah, she'd be true. more comfortable. But um, – I guess we hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, we, as we said, we don't want any injuries. Uh, a couple of final ones. Maddie Brown re-signed with the Magpies, as we all expected. Um, took them until basically the final minute to, to <laughs> announce it. But um, she is back with the Magpies in 2020 and will be back after that ACL injury. It'll be good to see her back out on the court. And the final one is Kayla Cullen signing with the Swifts. This was one that we all expected. She obviously was with the Swifts uh, for a little bit this year before they signed Rorare. And um, I think that's a good move, and it's uh, it kind of fits into that um, that Swifts lineup really perfectly. And I think she'll have a, a big impact in twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, Cullen is very much like Rore, very similar, can rotate between circle defense and wing defense. And I think that she's a really great get for them because she offers. Uh, a lot of experience and a lot of composure. I know she's been riddled with injury quite a bit in the in the later stages of her career, but she's got plenty of promise. And I think it'll be really exciting to watch that swift and defensive end develop even further because we've seen Clow and Turner just, you know, come along in leaps and bounds and now add Cullen into the mix. They could be a really, really hard team to beat next year. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And um, it's going to be great to see when 2020 Super Netball does come around, what's going to happen with all these new signings. Uh, that is all we have time for this week on the Centre Pass podcast. Um, we're not going to have an episode next week, but we'll be back the week after Week after for our final episode of 2019. We'll review the entire Constellation Cup as it's happened, and we'll have a bit of an early look towards the 2020 Super Netball season. Uh, do go follow us at Centre Pass Pod on Twitter for the updates and Uh, Do go to netball.draftcentral.com for all your netball news and reviews, and we'll speak to you in a few weeks' time.